First of all, I just want to say that it takes a lot of work to make a podcast. There's a lot of planning and you have to build a following. You'll get it when you see bodies, bodies, bodies. Welcome to the Extra Credits podcast where we search for meaning in your favorite movies and shows today. We are talking about bodies, bodies, bodies. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Trey. And we are going to be talking about why you have to see this movie when it comes out on August 12th, or it is being released on August 5th in limited theaters. Um, But this is our instant reaction. We just got back from the theaters. So we're going to be talking about the themes of bodies, 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 and we're going to be unpacking what we think the movie means. So if you have seen this movie, you'll really enjoy this pod. But if you haven't, all good. You can stick around. We're not going to be going into any major plot spoilers. Mm-hmm. But follow us if you want to hear us talk about plot spoilers soon. Uh, major cringe moments, scares, right? Like <laughs> the hilarious dark comedic exchanges in this movie, characters we love. Uh, but I'm excited to talk about themes today. Yeah. And we also reached out to director Helena Rain, which I'm really hoping we can get to talk to her. She has such a busy schedule right now, but yes. hopefully we can make that happen. But before we keep talking about bodies cubed, can we call it bodies cubed? I'm just going to call it bodies. That's fair. Let's do that. Bodies. <laughs> I want to say hello to all of our new listeners. Our audience went up by like 20% this past week. Thank you, Jordan Peele. Yes. Hello, everyone. If you haven't already, please follow us. Try to give us five stars if you don't mind, if you like hearing all this thematic deep dives that me and Kelsey do. It'll help us keep building this community that's building really quickly this past few weeks. And then also thank you to those of you who've been here this whole time and all the reviews you've all written in and all the messages that you've all sent. And you can check our social media and our letterbox and our email in our description. We'd love to hear from you. And also, if you're first here, this is your first podcast. Welcome to those first-time listeners. If you've never heard anything from the Extra Credits podcast, we've done other thematic deep dives like Alex Garland's Men comes to mind of a movie that maybe didn't get a deserving deep dive and we try to give that to audiences. Yes. And then also we did a Toy Story franchise deep dive, a Stranger <laughs> so Things deep dive. We, <laughs> we've done so many. We've done a large variety of content on the podcast. So go back and take a look and have fun. Yeah, and a, just a special shout out to our ranking game of our top 25 movies of 2022 so far. That was a massive one. Yeah, it's a massive podcast, so save it for like a long drive or just go in the description and click um, to hear which movies you want to hear us talk about. But uh, those have a lot of awesome recommendations from the best movies of this year. Okay, are Bodies. we ready? Bodies, bodies. Silence. <laughs> wow, that was a terrible silence. Who wants to play bodies, bodies, bodies? <laughs> Rachel Sennett just in the background. Yeah. Hopefully everyone has seen the, the trailer. Um, but so the plot of this movie, right? Uh, and, and this shows everything in the trailer. A party game leads to murder when young and wealthy friends gather at a remote family mansion This is a satirical dark comedy horror that focuses on friendship, identity, and social media. And the best part of it, critics love it. I was a little bit worried seeing the trailer because the trailer is dope and exciting. And it's everything that pretentious critics would hate. (laughs) So I was a little bit worried they wouldn't like this movie. But on Rotten Tomatoes thus far, it's a 98%, which I do think will drop a bit, but not that low. It won't drop that that incredibly low. So I think it'll stay around that area. Audience, no score yet, obviously, because it has not dropped yet. Yeah, I was 
surprised to see how high the the critics score was too mm-hmm. um but since there are no audience tomato meters out there <laughs> uh trey tell us yours like do you think this movie deserves extra credit Yes, this movie definitely deserves extra credit. We have an A24 horror movie, but a horror movie that I think weirdly, I said this to Kelsey at the end of the movie, that I think is weird, like weirdly more cinematic and more, I think, digestible and appealing to mass audiences than most horror movies A24 has put out, even their incredible ones like Hereditary or Midsummer, so or Midsommar. But I don't... Midsommar. Midsommar. But I don't think... Um, I don't think anybody will say this movie doesn't deserve extra credit. It's very fresh in the way it's commenting on social media culture and fragility of society at large, which is like a huge theme, which sounds very heady, but I promise it, it doesn't come off that way. And I think actually Helena said it best. We had a Q and a in our showing tonight. So we got to hear from the director and the cast and Helena, the director said, are we animals or are we civilized? And she wanted to basically talk about how, what would, what would it take for an animal to come out of human beings? And she liked kind of thinking about this movie through the lens of social media culture and Gen Z and millennials. So I think that as a premise is genius. And so that alone deserves extra credit. And on top of that, the movie's just dope. Yeah. Yeah. Like what pressures will, will push people to their limits. Right. Um, okay. So I'm excited to talk about themes, but First, like what overall did you like about the movie? Because we didn't really get to talk to each other besides just like leaning over and being like, this is awesome (laughs) in like certain scenes. Yeah, I guess at the top of the movie, I felt like the sound mixing hit me over the head. I was I was so so quickly too. like it was almost jarring, but because it set the tone and the uncomfortable atmosphere so quickly and the music was like cutting in and out. And if you think there was good music set up for this movie in the trailer you're right it's probably the second best trailer next to the batman of 2022 i think that'd be a fun pod idea by the way oh, best trailers trailers yeah, that that's is a great, great idea yeah don't steal it listeners <laughs> somebody has their own pot somewhere um so the music yeah the sound mixing created an atmosphere the quick editing in and out too because the music would be really loud in moment, moments it would then kind of be to a whisper and then really go loud immediately right afterwards and it was like very intense to kind of have that happen with all the editing going back and forth there's a lot of visual cues in this movie it kind of reminded me because of the recent Jordan Peele movie of Nope and all the visual cues in that movie it reminded me a little bit of that horror movie because Jordan Peele does such a good job of giving you these small visual cues at the beginning of his film that are going to obviously have a lot of payoff toward the end. And so does bodies. So I think both the sound and the editing create a lot of the suspense and mystery for me in this movie. And that doesn't even include everything I like about the characters and great acting and even the small things like the lighting or lack of it in this movie and the, and the glow in the dark lights, like yeah. all, all that's <laughs> all that creates this just like, aesthetic and atmosphere that just really I think is appealing again to like so many different audiences which I really appreciated about it yeah I I had the the sound like noted immediately when actually when the movie opened I was like this is so interesting like it jumps from kind of these like in-person experiences Mm -hmm. to these overwhelming concepts of social media living next to you like that's kind of what the sound does like you have this kind of self-contained like vortex next to you at all times on your phone. Right. right? And I I feel like the idea of not being able to like process what is happening from one, I I don't know, text thread to social media, um, 
like it happens with that, with the scenes where you're not able to process like what just happened in the previous scene going into the next scene, Mm -hmm. very much like social media. So like it, you know, we have these like visceral, emotional, all consuming scenes of like making out, cutting to like clicking of texting. Right. Um, and I looked up, I was like, how do I describe the sound of, of texting on an iPhone? Like that, that clicking noise. And I realized it sounds like a typewriter and I guess weird that's what apple or steve jobs who or whoever you know uh, oh, invented that how have i that never sound. put that together that's and so then, weird yeah i was i can't believe i just noticed it and maybe i'm you know a total idiot maybe everyone knows i'm that. definitely <laughs> an idiot then yeah um and then also it had like blasting music right to uh like a scene cut to a scene of birds chirping mm-hmm. and just that kind of idea of being just like your senses are kind of overwhelmed, right? Similar to social media and how there aren't really time. There isn't really time sometimes for reflection in between like scrolling on your feed or like experiences in, in life when you're so overwhelmed by like being social, but also having this, you know, again, like vortex or contained universe in your phone next to you. I especially love how they, uh, juxtapose a very emotional moment in the real world with the, I guess, like the, what you're talking about, the vortex of social media. You know what I mean? Like just having those, like someone basically saying something really emotional to you and then you're listening to them, but also mid conversation, you're sending a text. That, <laughs> that's not a spoiler by the way, but like, that's kind of what this movie feels like in a yeah. lot of moments. And that, that tension from being on the, on the, I guess the person explaining that emotional issue and not being the one texting is building throughout the whole movie, <laughs> uh, which is incredible. Yeah. This like resentment for sure. Yeah. Now also it's a good time also to plug another movie from this year called all my friends hate me oh my god yeah by uh well lead actor tom sturton and co-writer tom sturton we had him on the podcast to talk about the movie go back and listen to some of those podcasts because that's probably the biggest comp to bodies 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 is all my friends hate me which is on hulu it is on hulu right now it's streaming go watch that movie i would say it's in the same tier as bodies 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 and it maybe does something a little bit better for me I, i would assume both of us Yes, it yeah. was in our in our top movies of but that's this just, year. That's just a quick plug. Yeah, quick plug. Um, and but also I think with uh, you know kind of the social environment of bodies, 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 it is really getting into this like social media culture, but also like friendships and relationships mm-hmm. and doing that through horror, right? So yes. before before again we talk about the relationships, what did you think about like the horror? elements because I don't watch a lot of horror movies mm. as people who have listened before might know I've gotten better. Okay. Because I think that yeah, horror movies have. have developed or maybe they always have, I don't know, whatever, yeah. um, have developed more, I guess, like commentary at lately. Is that true? Or have they always had horror commentary? movies have always had a social commentary attached to them. And anybody who thinks that they used to just be scary, like, I don't know if that's true. Okay. Well, so for me, at least, because I can't hang with a lot of gore, maybe I'll say. Yeah. Uh, or like like the, what's the movie where they, they come into the house? Strangers? Is that what it is? That's one of them. Yeah. There's a lot of movies where people come into There's a house. A, <laughs> <laughs> the one with the mask. Anyway, those yeah, no, ones, that's right. I can't hang. But for this, I don't know. I was wondering for people who love horror movies, if they would like classify this as a horror movie. Because no. 
I wasn't actually scared in this movie, but it was still, there were moments where I was just, yeah, so uncomfortable where I was, I was like cringing, but also, I mean, I was terrified for the person, but I felt like I was also creating it for myself where I wasn't actually like, like I couldn't look where I feel in other movies, if that makes sense. Okay. So there's a, so there is something that me and Kelsey are both scared of. And I think honestly, this is where horror movies become horror for everyone. Like even people who are fans of horror are like, yeah, that scares me is when horror movies ground you in real life. When they put you in scenarios that feel like they could happen to you, like after you leave your home or when you're at sleep at night and maybe even, even in supernatural horror movies that can, that can be true too. But movies, horror movies that add the element of dark comedy that's where they stop becoming as scary and more okay, yeah. uncomfortable and anxiety inducing, which I think is what we both of us prefer. And I do think honestly, a gen- for a generation of millennials like us at 27 years old who grew up at, who grew up when we were younger with really bad horror movies in the like mid two thousands. Well, I was going to say, and instead of good horror movies, we got gore movies like saw. Like, I think we just appreciate dark comedy horrors at this point. So that's probably why we like anxiety inducing thrillers. But in terms of this movie, like what did it do well with horror? I guess in its kill scenes, like, or like it's scenes where death is involved. I really thought they did a good job subverting me, surprising me. I was scared by the way that the, the cinematographer moved the camera from character to character and showed facial expressions to always keep you on your toes. And I think they did, they did an amazing job of trying to like splice through their social commentary through this, like very, through their very horrific scenes, because not only was I like scared because there's some, you know, there's some pretty intense deaths, but also I'm nervous because of the commentary that's involved in the movie. So I have like my own anxieties I'm projecting onto the screen about social media while seeing people get killed. (laughs) So there's like a lot of different elements to why I'm scared in the movie and why the horror elements work, which is why I think as a dark comedy thriller horror, this really, really works. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that with this movie in particular, there's not only the idea of like, who is the killer, but with other horror movies, you kind of, you're putting together clues, right? And trying to guess who the killer is, what's actually happening, right? But in this movie, it's sort of more like the game of Clue. Shout Mm -hmm. out to my board game Clue people, or if you've seen the movie Clue, where you are getting a lot of evidence and you you don't know what's like reliable necessarily, right? And you you have so much more kind of- You have the puzzle pieces. They're in front of you and you have the box too. Yeah. So you're working with it. You have all these moving pieces that are being thrown into your guesses that make it so much fun, but also like you were saying, like really anxiety inducing for the audience. Yeah. I would say Kelsey picked up the visual cues like much quicker than I did. And I think both of us around halfway through the film knew what it was doing and could care less that we had figured out the movie because it was kind of the point. Like it was like, yes, you understand this movie. You understand what you understand what's going on, but you're just like, you know, I guess on the ride, something I actually want to note because me and Kelsey watched scream in preparation for this movie because people kept calling this Gen Z millennial scream, which that's unfair to bodies to call it scream because scream is, has this whole mythology and there's five, six movies and like, that's just so unfair to it. So it's, it's not fair to call it that. However, the best one, arguably one of the best horror scenes or horror movie scenes ever is the Drew Barrymore, uh, you know, spoiler alert, 
death scene in the first Scream movie, the first 10 minutes of that film. And when we rewatched Scream the other day, we were both like simultaneously frightened by that scene and also laughing in moments. Yeah. And that's the whole, I think honestly that, that feeling is what this movie does a great job of getting across. Yeah. You're like giggling because you're so anxious. Yes. Um, I also, I think our crowd was too. We had a great crowd. Yeah. I I think (laughs) we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but the crowd was definitely having a lot of fun. There was just one moment that was terrifying, which I'll talk about in a second. But I think, uh, talking about scream, something that I noticed, like the separating, like the group, they were, they kept separating, right. Which is a trope that happens a lot. And similar movies like scream poke fun at those tropes in horror movies. But in bodies, I felt like I could actually see people splitting off in this situation. Like I immediately thought of like, if my friends were in this situation, I know which friend would be like, okay, now I'm leaving. And everyone would have to think about that. Should we put them on blast right now? Do you want to say? Absolutely not. Um, all love to all my friends, but I, (laughs) but I do think that I, this movie for whatever reason, um, well, I, I know why the relationships felt kind of real, even though they were absurd and the idea of separating, even though that's a a horror trope of people being like, why would they separate? Why would they go do this? It actually felt like I understood the, the rationale behind it, even though it was illogical at times, it was running on this, like the character's anxiety. And then I also liked the realistic moments of like walking through the house with flashlights, right? Like Mm -hmm. on their phones. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of the inside and outside obstacles that are also mirroring the inside outside obstacles of the characters. Yes. Um, and, and so I just, I really liked the horror elements. And like you said, the, the CGI or whatever, the, whoever did the makeup, whatever they did to make the kills look the way they did. I thought they looked really real and, and I guess, uh, I mean, disturbing like yeah, there were in a, a, few in a disturbing way ones. that yeah horror movies would make me feel um but still did a, such a good job of delivering that comedy i was in the credits i was looking for who did the lighting and i i missed their name i think but whoever worked on the lighting of this movie with the dp you can tell that they spent a lot of time in trying to get the lighting right because a lot of this movie yeah it's tough is dark a lot a lot of this movie's dark and there's a lot of windows you know what i mean like they would need to i guess move the lights in a certain way where you can't see reflections because then otherwise you would think that someone's there when they're not and the movie does a good job of making you look at reflections and making you look behind somewhere where there's a where there's a uh you know a touch of light from the moon coming in through the window like you're looking in different places in the movie thinking like who's behind who who's where and that is kind of creating this other part of the movie that people are experiencing or at least some people are so i thought that was pretty cool yeah um, so maybe this is this is the part to to talk about since we're talking about horror. Um, that was the the most terrifying experience in the movie. So there is a scene where someone dies. That is not a, a spoiler. It's a pretty big deal though when this person dies. Yes. Yeah. And during the scene of the movie, um, I was I was kind of just like figuring out what was happening in the movie. It's a pretty crazy scene. And all of a sudden we hear this loud banging on the exit door of our theater. Like incredibly loud. Like Like the whole theater went silent. Yeah. Yeah. And I was terrified. I was just like, what is happening? Um, (laughs) I was so scared. And Mm -hmm. and then I couldn't pay attention. 
I, and because there was also some like drama happening. This is the first time that I feel like I, I, we usually go to the Alamo draft house and this is the first time that I have seen like teenagers in the crowd and they were like running around. Um, and I was like, this is why, like, I don't like going to movies with teenagers. <laughs> like there was a teenager they're, listening they're, like, to this probably. Obviously, obviously like they're just living their lives. You know, they were just the people who were the kids who were running around they were you know, having a good time with their friends. It was like a fun summer night. Oh yeah. But, it ultimately it was so annoying because that was such a terrifying moment like where yeah. i was like wait are we about to get bodied body bodied and then yeah. obviously probably not uh, but like and then the movie my, was my scary. teacher mode jumped in i mean people yeah. who are listening you know if you don't know we're both teachers like high school teachers so we're all around teenagers a lot and so when i saw the teenagers running i'm like all right here we go again what's going on who do i, <laughs> I, got, I where's the where's the fire drill sheet i gotta write some names down <laughs> Um, yeah, I was frightened too. <laughs> I thought it was actually just a grown ass dude at the end of our aisle who just like slammed on his table because he was annoyed because kids were on their phone. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense that he's like acting that way. Um, but, but then, but then he was standing like right in my peripheral, like corner right behind me. And yeah. I was like, someone is standing behind me while I'm watching yeah, a horror do movie. Don't stand behind Personal people when they're space. watching horror movies. Okay. What does Rachel Sennett say? You're, you're invading. What does she say? You're silencing you're, me. Oh, dang it. I was Yeah. You're <laughs> silencing me. There we go. Um, okay. So let's talk about the performances. Uh, yeah, Rachel let's, Sennett. Let's talk about Rachel Sennett. She's from Amazing. Shiva baby. That was an incredible performance. That's Emma Seligman's director directorial debut go back and watch that movie if you haven't from a couple years back she plays alice um she's incredible i mean she's probably the i think the highlight of the movie yes yeah i mean there every everyone does a really great job in this movie actually i thought i I would see one or two actors who hadn't uh, who i haven't seen before maybe kind of fall in the in the background but they do a great job of giving everyone they're doing this movie but Rachel Sennett is like purposely, you can see her trying to steal every scene, maybe too much in the beginning, but through, by the end of the movie, you're wow, you're like, wow, after seeing this whole cast, like she really blew up. She's hilarious. I think she was a stand-up comedian before becoming an actress. And so you can kind of see that in her performance a little bit. And I don't know if anybody's, maybe no one's heard about this before, but like something supporting actors always get us a tip is to always try to, in all of your scenes you're in, get audiences to remember you. And like, that's a good way of basically getting more jobs. And so you can, you can feel that through the screen. The first, like, just think about what I just said. If you haven't seen the movie, watch it in the first 15 minutes of the movie, you're gonna be like, yeah, okay, I can see that. She also, There's like, she's like in the corner of the screen at certain times, just jumping around. <laughs> she also has all the the best lines, I think. Yeah. And and I, there is one scene, no spoilers again, but where she runs across the kitchen. Um, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about, which is so funny. Yeah. It's so good uh, towards the beginning of the movie. And just, yeah, like all of her lines, like in the trailer, um, she had a lot of really funny ones, um, but she kind of is embodying like Gen Z jargon or whatever yes. like you know uh gen z like striving for logo. blue check mark yeah and <laughs> like it's gen z awesome um but i ultimately like she's just so funny and i i loved her there was also amanda uh, stenberg playing sophie uh maria baklova playing Bak- b baklova baklova thank yeah. you chase wonders playing emma who was awesome 
Um, and then Pete Davidson playing David, who played a role that I actually was not used to, to seeing for him. Like usually he just plays a very small comedic role. And I was actually really interested to see that uh, his, his like character was more fleshed out. Like I thought he was literally just going to be there for jokes. Right. He I mean, he had a really interesting arc. Yeah. I think it was, it was pretty clear that I was confused why he took the movie. Cause he's like, he's got that Kardashian money apparently now. So like, I was like, I'm interested in this, but obviously Pete Davidson just seems like a really interesting and nice guy. So like, I figured he would just kind of check off from acting and it didn't maybe seem like his thing, but you can see in this movie that he's trying to do something with his career that is different than being, you know, at the top of a joke. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, and I think it, it did a good job with the writing uh, and with his performance of kind of exploring this idea of friendships and people kind of being in other people's business, yeah, but also kind of like a very toxic masculinity arc yeah. of a younger generation. Yeah. He really captured someone who is lost in their late twenties. Like he yeah. did a great job of that. Also, I want to kind of circle back cause I know you got a couple more to go here, but Amanda Stenberg who plays Sophie, she was, um, she had a very difficult, role to play in this movie like she had to balance a lot of different character arcs I think is the best way to say it without completely spoiling it like she had a lot of different things that she was asked to do that like she did a great job I'm not sure it kind of worked in the movie in in terms of moving the plot and the direction was trying to go toward the end because it kind of went in a direction where I was like I'm I feel like they're kind of like you know not knowing how to tie up this loose end correctly so they're just doing this and people who've seen it maybe know what i'm talking about maybe i'm being too vague i'm sorry i'm trying not to spoil it completely i don't know if i know what you're talking about yeah i'm sorry well basically her character is is pretty well contextualized you learn more about her and then by the end of the movie you're kind of like do i know like anything about this character and that's purposeful and she does that really great um and she does a great has a great performance for that but I don't know. Her character for me, I think because she is, I think, arguably the main character of yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say maybe Bakalova as B is the, you know, other main lead. But I do think Sophie kind of is the lead character of the movie. And so because of that, I wish I would have got a more of a clear, transparent arc for her character. I really think I, I totally agree that I feel like she did a really good job juggling all these kind of different shifts in uh performances that she's right asked to do in this movie yeah and uh, basically the kind of intentions that she's putting off from scene to scene yeah. uh, for the characters in order for this dynamic to work and to build tension mm-hmm. but i do think that maybe the the reason that i was thrown off is because we were given context about her character early on mm-hmm. and then that was sort of like invalidated by the context we get from other characters. Right. And then by the end of the movie, it's not really clear for as far as like first watch again, we literally just got out of the movie, like not even an hour ago. Um, but it was unclear about maybe like what I'm supposed to, or the audience is supposed to feel about her character. And yeah. I don't know if her character is like the point of the movie really. Like, right. I think it's a subversion a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Because they kind of present her in the posters in the middle. She's in the trailer a lot. And so like, it is kind of like she is the lead character. Um, and I think she's arguably probably one of the most famous or, or people know her. I think she's one of the more famous actors in this movie. So, um, okay. Sorry. Where were you? Were you at Pete? And then you, did we talk about Lee Pace as Greg? 
we did not talk about Greg. He uh, <laughs> was surprisingly wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I didn't know uh, like how I was going to feel because uh, I didn't know where his character was going at first, but mm-hmm. it was so good. Like I, I loved every scene when he was in it, especially because he's someone who is like coming in as an outsider to this group. Yeah. And there are certain kind of, I guess, insecurities that are being taken out on him. Yeah. And I won't say anything more, but he kind of plays, he, he plays the, really funny. He plays the older guy in a social media world. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting to see that dynamic and somebody who just seems like a nice dude. Like that's it. Like he's just a nice guy. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's it. And, uh, just wants to hang out. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny cause in the live Q and a after our, our showing, yeah. uh, he talked about how he actually like only got a cell phone when he was 20. Two. And so, yeah. yeah. So he was talking about like even the, the gap from his co-stars who were obviously like younger and had cell phones or, or really early on. And social media was a huge part of their lives right. and what they're bringing to the character. So I thought that was really interesting because that was actually accurate probably for him to bring that to his character, yeah, like yeah. that disconnect or that maybe divide of a generational experience with social media. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we also have, uh, my Hala Harold playing Jordan. Uh, she was great too. I, I haven't checked out the TV show that everyone loves industry. A lot of people have said like, if you like succession, watch industry. Do we not watch an episode? I thought we might have, we start, or maybe I did. It. I think I might have finished it. Okay, I started one. But. Anything finance, like kind of like satire of finance, I'm like in. Like anything that's kind of like making a comment on like the economy failing, I'm like, this is going to be great. I love the Big Short. <laughs> and I thought that I thought that was what industry is going to be, but it's a little bit more about, I guess, personalities, <laughs> and I think maybe a pro- personality issues as a product of the industry. So, anyways, I I got to watch that show because people love it, and season two just came out. Yeah. All right, we'll get on it. Okay, but let's let's talk about themes. Um, but I agree. I forget if I already said it, but I think that everyone really did pull their weight and delivered really like really great performances that made me believe in their character arcs. Yeah. And I thought that was really surprising. Like you said, because I, I didn't know if someone was going to fall through the cracks with a movie that is seemingly focused on like Gen Z. And if, if things would feel like kind of, um, like cringy, does you know what I mean? Like well, that's what I was worried about. And that didn't happen. Well, let me, okay. Cause this movie for me, if I was to like do a rotten tomatoes, BS rating, I'd say this bodies is like an 85. Right. I'd say it's like an 85%. That's your tomato meter. Yeah. And like, that's a really, like I'm saying like from a really great place, like on rewatch, it could be a 90. You know what I mean? Like I really like this movie a lot. Um, but I was, what I was going to say was in the cast, while the cast is amazing, maybe it's the writing. And I know this movie is really about the meta text. And I know the literal text is supposed to be a fun, you know, movie that we all watch and we can watch for decades now with a bunch of people and like have a bunch of fun watching it. But the, within the plot, I think what this movie's lacking is a little bit of, um, a buy-in for the audience for how much we're supposed to care about these characters. Cause to a certain point toward the end of the movie, I was like, I don't dislike any of these characters and I don't like any of them to be sad about them potentially dying. And I don't, Fair. and I, I know the movie isn't intending for you to really like any of them. There is a character or two that you probably want more context of that you think 
are really nice characters and maybe you want to get more from them. But ultimately, if they died in the movie, you probably, you know, if you, you know, if, especially if you haven't seen this movie yet and you're watching them, you're like, I hope they don't die. It's not going to be something that really, you know, makes you sad. Whereas other horror movies, and I'm not going to spoil any of those, but I'm sure you can think of the famous ones that have characters that you love a lot. And by the end of the movie, they do die. That really is a lot to grapple with. And that's why they're some of the best ever, some of the best of all time. So I do wish, I think I got a little bit more character development. I almost wish I got more of the first 10 minutes, like before what we're shown and between two characters, I kind of wish there was an introduction to one of those characters, if that makes sense. Yeah. I do know that the movie probably doesn't want us to do the whole like, split thing with Anya Taylor-Joy where you're like following one character and you get the context of that character and then the you know the kidnap happens but I feel like I kind of I I wanted that yeah and I I think that that's what we'll probably get into when we talk about themes right now okay is that where other horror movies there might be an element of like oh no like I didn't want that character to you know to die yeah In, in this movie I think the kind of idea of a vehicle like driving a comment mm-hmm. is is kind of more powerful and you're paying attention to like the conversations and like the you know uh, verbal punches like throughout the the story instead of the kills which is really interesting yeah i mean obviously you're paying attention to the kills but but that that there's a more i guess heavy hand on the themes pushing the story forward no i agree the text is really special in this movie uh the writer is Kristen rupinian and the script was also written by a couple of other editors too i think it was, got changed a little bit but i think the i think the the bones of it stayed the same um and ultimately the the text is what's standing out kelsey's right about this movie and that's kind of what i was getting to too which is why i think it deserves like a you know a b plus kind of rating because it's really really good it's just you probably emotionally don't get as invested as you maybe could have been and helena though did talk about in the q a that she really wanted to focus on that text she, that's what drew her to the project And she specifically said something that I thought was fascinating. She said that she wanted to expose the very thin layer of civilization that like basically controls humans. And she, she said, and I think I said this earlier that basically asking the question about whether or not humans are animals or are they civilized? And she wanted to kind of push, I guess, humans to a point where they could be animals. And what would that point be? And where is that line? And how can she blur it a little bit? And what vehicle can she use? Like what Kelsey's saying. And and in this case, she chooses social media. And so with bodies, she basically uses social media culture and she manifests it and its toxicity through all of those characters that we talked about and in this situation and this mansion that they're in. And she basically forces audiences to watch themselves as like fragile people on screen being pushed to limits in like a really absurd, but, but brutally honest way yeah. where I think people are going to really appreciate to be seen in this way because it weirdly feels like walking into this movie that you're walking into a comment on Gen Z millennials. But then I think you leave and you're like, that was actually like a very timeless, like subversive movie. And I, and I think the overarching theme of of kind of trying to check people on their ego through the vehicle of a disconnected social media obsessed generation who's been like infected by social media culture as this monster under the bed the person behind the mask i think is 
is really smart because you kind of bring audiences into the theater. A24 was smart to fund this one and, and distribute it because you kind of just bring everybody on the name. You bring everybody on the exciting trailer and then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, my parents, you know, would like this movie. Like that, my I, I saw actually older audiences in this like ages 60 to 80 like I saw a couple people who are who are much older than us who I could hear behind me enjoying the heck out of the movie so this is I think is a oddly a movie that feels more similar to an Agatha Christie and then there were none than it does a like scary euphoria which in the trailers it did look like is this a horror euphoria is that what I'm watching here so it's pretty cool that we got like a nuanced satire on like the fragility of society, which is a pretty like heady concept for, for a horror movie. So that's, that's, I think the first, you know, the first major theme, I think to, to lure people in that I, that I want to stick on is social media culture. Cause I I do think that's probably the, the main one that's drawing people in before we we get to the the heady stuff. Do you want to maybe give some thoughts on how you thought social media culture did? Yeah. I, I think with social media culture, if that, that's what we want to call it, it, it's kind of materialized in a, in a couple different ways. Like there, we have the group chat, right. And there's this irony yeah. in group chats where there's like so much being said uh, a lot of, of the time, like throughout people's days, mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of unspoken feelings that build throughout time. And, uh, w- interestingly build where they wouldn't, if you just like, hadn't seen this person and like let time pass. Right. Um, but because there's so much constant communication, there's things that can be taken, you know, out of context or like people interpret a certain way. Um, and, and so there's a lot of like really funny elements of these unspoken kind of pieces of friendships uh, that enter into this movie, but also like kind of serious, like grudges that some people are holding to, And, and so that, that whole idea of like a dynamic that is like living and functioning in this like space, right. In this vortex, I guess we're calling it of the phone is so interesting. And and I think really like well done in the movie, especially with friends that we understand from the trailer have known each other for, for a long time. We have that picture in the opening scene of the, of the first trailer. And then we also, with the social media culture, have this like creating your own narrative kind of uh, theme yes. where especially uh, with one character in one specific scene, it was like a very explicitly done, yeah. but also really well done. Yeah. And, and I think like, so uh, in the live Q and a, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but Amanda Stamberg uh, was asked about kind of what this movie is talking about with information, um, and, and social media. And so again, I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically talked about how she thinks like the quickness and the nature of how we engage with information online will dictate our decision-making, right. And can sometimes impact, uh, especially like younger, uh, people's relationships. And sometimes those result in, in shallow relationships. Uh, and there's also this idea of like, there was a hilarious sequence where the characters jumped to conclusions without having all the information, Yeah, which was so funny. It was amazing. <laughs> and that's where the hilarious dialogue comes into. But so there's, there's that kind of line of creating your, or your own narrative, right? Like just kind of jumping to all these maybe conclusions or, uh, you know, not having all the information and moving so fast because you feel like you're constantly behind. Right. right. Um, but also the idea of creating your own narrative for yourself, right? Like on social media, on Instagram, on any platform where, uh, a 
version of you lives online. Right. You are kind of like constantly creating this reality of yourself. Um, but a lot of like self-hating happens because of this creating your own narrative. Right. And like, you're trying to possibly disconnect from your own actual reality while creating this narrative of yourself online. And right. like in this case, right. Um, you could like think about how disconnecting from your reality, um, is also like judging other people like people tend to do online. Mm -hmm. So this movie takes it an extra step and is like, okay, I'm seeing the worst in everyone. I'm like judging, you know, everyone. Um, but actually like they could be killers. Right. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of, uh, that, uh, functioning that, on this idea of like being wrapped up in, okay, I'm judging this person, but actually they're acting out of their own insecurities and fears. Well, that's, what's so s smart about this movie is that it like Helena deconstructs this, the social media culture that has basically become a flawed social institution of society and she deconstructs it so well with her team in like a 90 minute digest digestible movie. And what I like about what you just said was that like they took all these very, these things that we're aware about the toxicity of social media culture that we're aware of like culture is aware right. Like of. what we're saying is nothing new. Right. And then they elevate it to like make everyone's fear of those fake consequences which is that if you don't post a story of your food tonight no one is going to think you're doing anything <laughs> if if you don't post a story of your food tonight will anybody even know if you ate food tonight and like well <laughs> anyone you know even if you eat, exist did you even eat food like and and i think the fear of not doing that or the fear of like not texting back in a group chat or the fear of not writing lol back to someone or not answering a text back within 24 hours in this movie they elevate those fears make them real the consequences become dire and people are bodied body body, body. they are taken out and i think that is so great because we just recently watched what was it uh, not okay what was that movie yeah not mm -hmm. okay right and that was great that was incredible there was like a lot of em emotional sorry it was it was very good but I, I what i was gonna say is incredible emotionally that movie got me emotionally invested but something it didn't do i think too well with the social media stuff was that it kind of got to like i guess and make its cake and eat it too a little bit because it kind of talked about how social media has like fake consequences and there's real life consequences, but then social media actually has real consequences if you use it in improper ways for people. So I thought that was a, the, the lines are blurred a little bit there were in ways that I didn't think were super transparent, but the emotional part of that movie is very impactful. And maybe one day we'll talk about that. But in this movie, they decided to just make all of all of the consequences of social media manifested into real life as if like people are literally getting killed. And I thought that was, I thought that was just really, really well done considering this being like a second time, you know, filmmaker from Helena and like the rest of the crew being fairly like new and the cast being really new. So just, just incredible work. And I also want to add too with the social media part of this, the big part that we haven't talked about yet of social media culture that is pretty toxic that this movie touches on and laughs at a lot, but also again, it's pretty important to the story is the amplified language of social media. Like oh, I'm going to yeah. kill you. Uh, you're silencing me like these very, <laughs> like all this amplified language and adjectives that we use to kind of describe our environment and our setting to make our life seem, um, I guess more attractive than it actually is, or like more like extreme than it actually is because that's what our culture I guess, um, 
it respects it. It's like the exploitation economy. It's what did she call it in the movie? The attention economy. And so like, that's a spoiler, but someone says the attention economy. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny. And I think they do a good job of being on the nose with it, but then doing a good job of showing how that language they're turning on its head a little bit and actually making that language serious in this movie. So again, I just think it, you know, in terms of the text and the way they kind of get across the social media message, I think it was really, really well done. And I think people who watch this movie as a comment of almost like a satire on Gen Z, that's probably unfair to the, almost like condescending to the makers of this movie, because I think the message is a little bit more bigger than generation. It's talking about the way social media has infected all of our lives and usually unhealthy ways. And so I do, I do appreciate that about it, that it can kind of like trick you by thinking it's a movie for 18 to 25 year olds when really it's about anybody who's ever had a phone in their hand. So that's smart. Yeah. And I think like you're saying, there's these ideas, uh, there's this idea of like absurd language and absurdity in the movie, but it also lands a really like relatable. I think that's where you're getting at with like the timeless also like arc of friendships. Like there's all these unhealthy behaviors existing and like people are weighing them. Right. Um, and there's, there's people like airing grudges and secrets and feelings and people exposing each other. Right. And and there's also these, uh, this like idea of friends, like everyone has that one friend and there's one in this movie, uh, who in particular calls out like the obvious in the room, um, that everyone wants to pretend like is not happening. And sometimes it makes things way worse, but also it makes them more honest. Yeah. And like, there are all these really relatable, um, I guess like character tropes of just like human interaction and, and friendships that, that make it grounded, even though it feels really heightened and absurd with all the like really direct, I think on the nose things of like, Oh, I wish I didn't take a video. I wish I would have taken a video of that or, you know, whatever right. it is. And, and I think the movie kind of plays with that in terms of like how we even like it, it's kind of playing with people our age too a little bit because like we're in that generation of like seeing friends a lot but also still like using social media a lot so having that physical interaction while also having that social interaction and this movie kind of I think is catering a little bit more to the the younger audience in terms of like representing them because this group of friends acts like, and I think they even are explicit about this in certain points, so I won't spoil that, but this group of friends acts like they haven't like seen each other outside of a group chat in like a decade. And so yeah. I thought that was re- like really smart to do that because they kind of act like you would assume they would, like a younger generation would. And even though everybody looks like they're 27 to 30 years old in this movie, which I think they kind of are. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's a, there's a scene also where someone's opening up about like trauma and then someone else takes it as an invitation to like share their trauma. (laughs) And and it's so great. Like these kind of like rules of socialization that some people may not even like fully grasp even, you know, into like farther adulthood. But I, I think really like make it something that all audiences can like really understand and laugh at but also cringe at but also uh yeah see like a lot of the reality in but I I do want to talk about the idea of the friends like coming together Mm -hmm. really quick so in the in the trailer um we see that everyone's like friends we we can understand they're all very comfortable with each other right like I think the trailer opens with the chant of everyone like jumping around in the living room with glow sticks on yeah 
And I, I was like, what is that chant from? Because they all probably had to like know it, right? If they were growing up together. And I, so I just like typed in the, the like chant lyrics song? and it only one website comes up. And <laughs> it's, um, the, wait, sorry, the self worth song from the American youth foundation. And it's, I, it's the only place <laughs> I could find it. I think it was like what? originally like a Christian camp or something. And I was like, who specifically, well, Kels, that is great investigation work on your part in this movie, because it's so specific. And unless everyone knows the self worth song, I apologize, but the first part, right? They're like, I'm smart. I'm strong. I'm ready for whatever comes along. <laughs> I've got good friends. We'll stick together till the end. Okay. So that tells me that the second part of the chant was not included. And it says, I like myself. I'm worth a lot. I like myself. I'm worth a lot. And don't you tell me that I'm not because you can't see inside of me. <laughs> In this movie, you can see inside of someone. Yes, you definitely can. But I just thought that was so interesting. Like this idea of of the chant, whoever obviously You're all specifically put special. it in here um, from this this camp that inspires youths to seek mental, youths. physical, social balance. I don't know. Uh, but, but anyway, such a specific chant. And then to leave out like that second part about self-worth, it was obviously like a, a pointed comment of friendship. And kind of like balancing you, your idea of like of worth or I, I don't know, even like that relationship with your your own insecurities, anxieties. Do you think B at one point in the movie that's on the cutting room floor somewhere, but they just didn't add it in? And, and this is, I guess, a spoiler, but she doesn't she doesn't tell them like she doesn't. There isn't a moment in which she asks the group how everyone knows each other. Like, do you think that there is a scene in which she asks everyone, how do you know each other? I, because no, I feel like no, that no, would make we, sense. No, at the beginning of the movie, um, because Sophie like is explaining. We we know that she has heard a lot about the friends. No, she's I, like they're not I, as nihilistic. I know, but as I'm saying no. Sorry, I'm a, I'm saying so. We know that maybe they've been to a camp together. Maybe they met at a camp together or something like that. Because that would be funny because it would contextualize the song they're singing. No, I don't know. I think it's just. I think it, we're supposed to know like. Um, like there's a, have you ever made up a song with friends you grew up with? No. Okay. Forget okay. it. This isn't going to go. That's me. Okay. This <laughs> isn't good content. <laughs> okay. If anyone else has made up a song with friends growing up. Me and my and buddies still in, know in, that in the song. summer heat playing football. <laughs> we weren't doing it. That sounds fun though. Um, okay. Right. Let me get, let me get to my next theme. Cause we only have one left here and it's the big heady one, which is the one Helena seemed like she was most interested in, in the Q and a, which was about human fragility and basically like she wanted to see what it takes for people to be pushed to their limit and how everyone has different limits and how we're all living in a civilized world, but it's on a foundation of shaky institutions. And so I think she has some really big ideas that she fit in this movie so well. And I like the idea of her creating characters or creating, but putting them on screen uh, that are seemingly well-intended all in defense and survival mechanisms, but they are maybe not um, appropriately used. Like people are using their defense mechanisms to like protect a false image of themselves in front of their friends. And so I like that she kind of puts them in this situation where they're defending themselves, but it's not really necessarily justified. And so their death, you know, some of these characters' deaths 
don't mean as much as they would if they weren't kind of like trying still to protect their image. Because a lot of these characters, maybe much like, you know, in the real life, we would rather, hopefully not, like physically die than die on social media. Like we need our social media life. It's kind of become a second reality that we're all living and this meta reality, the metaverse. And so I like that she's kind of, obviously has a lot of big ideas about the way that there's this duality of identities between internet life and real life and kind of seeing who, which of those identities will you protect at the cost of the other one. And I love that she does this movie because obviously the choice was made for this whole, this whole group of characters. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love how you were talking about defense and like survival, right? Like this idea of like keeping the image of, of yourself online or just keeping the image then that you have created of yourself. Yeah. Right. Like at, at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, literally characters die in this movie just because they just won't, you know, talk about their honest selves outside of what they share in DMS. So, you know, tough, tough world. Okay. What are we moving on to? Um, Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. I I'm just like getting all these scenes where people are being confronted, um, but can't, you know, just, just confront themselves. Right. But okay. I think, I think that's it for me. Bodies, bodies, bodies. You have to go see it on August 12th. Or if you're lucky and you get one of the limited access, you know, screenings on August 5th, check in theaters near you. It's so fun. Yeah. And again, hopefully we'll have Helena on the podcast Again, she's busy, but we're trying to get her on. We're doing our best. And I do want to note a few movies that we've seen recently. We saw Fire of Love, which is a beautiful film that we saw, I think, like a week or two ago now. Right, it's documentary. Documentary at the Angelica Theater. Great theater. Uh, that was good. Don't really have anything to add like quickly on that, just out of the fact that it was good. We thought about doing pods for all the following movies. Fire of Love, The Gray Man, Vengeance, Not Okay. And then I'm seeing Bullet Train tomorrow. I guess we're both seeing it tomorrow. So we thought about doing a pod on Fire of Love, The Gray Man, Vengeance, Vengeance, and Not Okay. And then we were like, Bodies is amazing. So we have to do it on Bodies. Like this just deserves it. But those other movies are good. I think those are hard recommendations from both of us. We like those a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think you liked Vengeance a little more than me. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that Gray Man is getting too much flack. Oh, do we want to do this right now? And uh and maybe we'll talk about it at a different time. Okay. But I'm excited for Bullet Train tomorrow. I'm excited to see Brad Pitt's face in front of my face. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm just excited for him to sound however he sounds in that trailer for two and a half hours. Because in the trailer, he sounds like a... what I don't know what American guy he is playing in his voice. <laughs> he sounds so weird. Like I, I, He definitely does not sound like normal Brad Pitt. I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. This has been the Bodies, 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 Bodies Cubed bodies podcast i appreciate everybody listening in to me and kelsey break down these themes again if you have not already follow the podcast we're trying to build a community give us five stars if you don't mind leave us a review that says maybe uh something like a, a nice hello how you doing hi hi and then maybe <laughs> maybe like a what, what was your favorite horror movie this year because i think kels the watcher or bodies, 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 watcher, bodies, bodies, bodies. I, I can't, I don't uh, know. That's tough. Such different tones. If you haven't it's seen tough. Watcher yet, go watch that movie. It, they're right next to each other for me. But let us know in the reviews and you'll hear from us soon. This has been Trey. And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye. Yeah.